Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, God is able to do the impossible. I love that. Hey, I want to talk to you today out of uh, Exodus, and uh, you can go there if you have a Bible. Uh, the outline is online as well. If you go uh, to mylac.com and under resources, it'll say sermon uh, outline. It's also a little short bulletin, so if you're a note taker, you want to go there. Uh, there's two uh, notes. There's one that's already filled in for you if you can't wait, and there's another one where you could fill in the blanks, so I just wanted to make you aware of that. Appreciate uh, Tricia for putting those up for us. But I want to tell you the story today that comes out of Exodus 15. So that's where you can go in your Bible. And it starts with the parting of the Red Sea. Yeah, the truth of the matter is that here was Israel. They had just been delivered from captivity. And they're now running for their life because Pharaoh and his army is behind him. And they're stuck between a, a, a rock and a, and a wet place. It's the Red Sea. It's right in front of them. And you might think that God would do something a certain way, maybe like um, get rid of the enemy behind them. You might think that God might uh, create a bridge (laughs) over the top of the Red Sea. But God does what was unexpected. He parts the water, and this is the miracle part, that, that the children of Israel crossed on dry ground. Now, here's what I know. When when water's on top of dirt, it usually creates some kind of mud. Moisture goes into the dirt, and there's a little bit of a sloshing going on, but but not here. They they crossed on on dry ground. I remember hearing years ago, uh, some professor said, you know, uh, uh, the Red Sea at that time was, was, you know, not not very deep. It was drought season. Maybe it was less than a foot of water, and so no big deal. The children of Israel across the sea on a foot of water. Har, har, har. And, and then, and then I, I commented back this way. No, 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 no. The miracle is not it was a foot deep and they crossed. The miracle is that Pharaoh and all his armies drowned in a foot of water. So however you look at it, God created a mighty miracle. I thought that was pretty good, by the way. So, uh, But I don't know what you need today, but I do know this, that God is the miracle worker, the Lord of the impossible. Exodus 15, 22 says these words, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went to the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding any water. And then it goes on to say in verse 23 that when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. Many of you know that the word Mara literally means bitter. The water was bitter. And when they came to the, this place, you can see the picture here that we have for you. When, when, when they came to this place, they looked down and said, look, there's a pool of, of great water there. They were so happy to be able to see this. But the place was bitter. It was a place of turmoil. It's the same word, Mara, that's used in Genesis 27 that describes family turmoil. Or in 1 Samuel 1.10, when, uh, when Hannah was unable to conceive a child. Uh, in Job chapter 7, referring to suffering and hardship, it's the Mara that, that Job was going through. And in Exodus 15.24, it says the people, what? Grumbled. I even think grumble sounds like grumble, grumble. 
grumble, you know, against Moses. Why? Well, what are we to drink here? This is crazy. By the way, this is three days after they had parted the Red Sea that God had done the miracle and they walked through on dry ground. Three days after this miraculous deliverance. Water. Now there's another testing of water. Isn't it interesting? That Red Sea was a test. Will you trust me in this? Will you trust me for your deliverance? Water in front of them. Now there's water in front of them. They're about ready to, to, to drink this water in. When they do, it's bitter. It's not suitable for, for drinking. Three days before, they're worshiping God. Thank you, God, for your salvation. Just three days later, they're grumbling. How it is for us, too. We can go from, from worshiping God, God, you're so good, to, 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 to grumbling. You know, I remember uh, hearing this statement over and over again. If God saves us and then never does another thing, another act of goodwill to us the rest of our lives, we have enough reason to worship him and praise him for all eternity. Thank you, God, that you've saved my soul and now I can worship you forever. But, but could I add, until the next crisis comes? And by the way, I'm not preaching at you. I'm not throwing guilt at you. I do this too. Everything's going really well. Thank you, Lord. Your name calms my fears. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And then the next thing, ah, grumble, 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 grumble. <laughs> how we quickly forget how good God has been to us. Now, I'm not discounting what we're going through. I, frankly, can I just be blunt with you? I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like sitting here today live in an empty sanctuary, but I know you're there, so it's not empty, and I know the presence of God is here, so it's not empty, but it's weird. I'll just be blunt. It's weird. I miss you. I miss seeing you and hearing your stories. I miss the, the children. I mean, being able to kind of get down on my knees and look at kids on Sunday and ask them what they learned through Classroom Experience or Kids United. I miss walking over to the Connections Building and seeing our, our, our great youth group uh, ascend, gathering together and eating free food and having a great time. And, and I miss hanging out with the collective group, kind of sneaking in the back. I'm the oldest guy in the room, but I, I, I miss all that. And I'm sure you do too. So what do we do when we need a miracle? Well, first of all, number one, we come to God with our need. We, we come to God with our need. If you're a note taker, you can just write that down. I think it's important. You know, we can run to people. We can uh, hang out at Facebook. We can even isolate ourselves, not just because of the pandemic, but we can isolate ourselves from others and even from God. We need time with God, solitude with God, but we can even isolate ourselves from God. God, I'm not going to share all my deepest needs with you. And I would love to counter that by saying we need to share our needs with the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, requests, needs, with thanksgiving, present them to God, your requests to God. So look at what Moses did first. Exodus 15, 25, the first part of that verse says, and Moses cried out to the, to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. You know, one, uh, one wife shared with me, I thought this was pretty great. She said, um, can you pray that my husband goes back to work quick? 
Because we've been together now too much, and, and I need some space and separation. Hey, one young adult told me, I'm home from college, and I'm back with my parents. They are weird and boring. Pray for me. I'm not going to use uh, his name, but that's what he said. And uh, it's true. We all have needs of different kinds right now, but God needs to know your need and wants to know your need. Number two, do whatever God asks. Yeah, do whatever he asks. Whatever you hear him whisper to your soul or whatever you hear uh, him say to you through the Bible as you read the book of, uh, of the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, I said it last week that we need to apply the faith we believe to the life that we live. We need to apply the faith that we believe to the life that we live. See, the water was a test of trusting. Are you going to trust me, God was saying? This is bitter water, but I just parted water. I'm a water expert. By the way, I made H2O. That's who I am. A testing. It was fascinating that God showed them that he's bigger than water, that he's more powerful than water, that he's greater than water. But then the Lord shows Moses something that's kind of bizarre, if you think about it. It says in verse 25, the second part of that verse, and the Lord showed Moses a piece of wood. He threw it into the water. Now, God's answer to Moses was, here's a piece of wood, Moses. Uh, you and I wouldn't think of a piece of wood as being miraculous, though later on we'll understand that it was wood that Jesus was placed on, the cross itself. I wonder if God was setting this up for symbolic reasons, that this wood that would be thrown into Mara, the bitter waters, would somehow purify the waters, much like the wood of Jesus, the cross that he was placed on would purify our lives. Someone told me that as they were praying about the economy, that they started to ask God to provide for them. And the Lord whispered to their heart, and I have permission to share this part of their story. The Lord whispered to their heart, why are you asking me to provide for you when you haven't released your finances to me? I just thought that was phenomenal. That the very thing they were asking for, Lord, would you provide for me? God was, was saying, when have you trusted me? And then they went back in their minds to, to some passage that says, uh, try me in this. And I was able in an email to respond to them. Yeah, Malachi 3 says, test me and try me and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven for you. And so interestingly, as they were praying for provision, God gave them something to do, whispered into their soul. And now they're one of our online givers. And they're saying, God, I'm going to test you and try you in this. That may not be something that you would think about. One of the moms shared with me that God whispered to her one day. She had all her kids in the house doing some kind of artwork and art project. And the Lord just whispered and said, who needs this art? Your refrigerator doesn't have any room for any more artwork. Your bulletin boards are overflowing with your kids' artwork from the last month. And the Lord whispered to her heart about some of the neighbors on the street. And so they went and knocked on doors and left little notes. We're praying for you and left some really beautiful kids artwork for some of their neighbors who don't have any kids at home right now. You may think that's an odd thing, but that was a test for that mom. Are you going to do this? 
Are you going to say, well, our kids' artwork isn't that great? Come on, kids, you know your artwork's amazing. And the third thing is, number three, trust God for the outcome. And this may be the hardest thing to do when you need a miracle. When you need God to come through for you, you recognize that you're not in control. You may remember back in our series that we uh, had a, a teaching called Anxious for Nothing. It was based on the book by Max Lucado of the same name. And in it, he talks about being calm, C-A-L-M. I'm going to go through these quickly. A C is to celebrate God's goodness, to celebrate the good things that God has done for you. Maybe it's a fear of sickness or the fear of loss or the fear of the unknown. But when fear and anxiety try to invade every thought of your life, there's a calm that comes from God himself. Celebrate God's goodness. If you're a note-taker, you could write down Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I, I say rejoice, celebrate. Or how about this one? You could write this down, Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, we gain nothing by magnifying the problem that we're in. We gain everything by setting our eyes on the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a realist. We have a real pandemic around us. People in our own congregation have been uh, impacted and inflicted with COVID-19. I think of our dear friend PJ, who's been suffering. I think of our dear friend Christina and so many more that we're praying for right now. And a dear friend of mine, Pastor Ken Hart from the Highlands Church out in Palmdale, a great pastor and leader who's now quarantined in his house and tested positive for COVID-19. This is real stuff. But in the midst of the real stuff, we can still celebrate our God. And we can, A, ask God for help. C-A, ask God for help. Come to God with your need. We already expressed that. That's exactly what Moses did. I love what Psalm 50, verse 15 says. You can write this down if you're a note taker. Psalm 50, 15, call on me in the day of trouble. Yeah. Max Lucado said this, and I give him credit. Don't let anxious, negative thoughts take over your mind. You cannot control the circumstances, but you can always control what you think of them. You can't control the circumstances. And that's why the L of calm is leave your concerns with God. God does not need your help right now. He doesn't need your counsel. And he doesn't need your assistance right now. And I think this would be a great phrase for us all to repeat today. I hereby resign as ruler of the universe. <laughs> I can't control the county. I can't control the state. I can't control the government. I can't control the world. I can't control who gets sick and who doesn't get sick. And I certainly can't control the outcome of every single person in life, though I wish I could. So today, would you join me? Let's resign together <laughs> as rulers of the universe because God is in charge and he will not stop being in charge. And then M, C-A-L-M, is meditate on good things. I love what he said in Philippians 4, 8, the apostle Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue 
And if there is anything praiseworthy, then meditate on these things. That's calm. We celebrate who God is. We ask God for help. We leave our concerns with him, and we meditate on good things. So meanwhile, back to the the bitter waters, what happens in this situation? Well, in Exodus 15, 25, Moses has thrown this log into Mara, into the bitter waters, and the water became fit to drink. And this is the first mention of any kind of healing in the Bible. It's the first mention of God transforming something. You know, he delivered the children of Israel, but here he transforms them. And in Exodus 15, 16, I love what it says. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. There's something to study further. But why? For I am the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who heals you. As I was preparing for this message, I was praying this over our church, over our city of Lompoc, over the the faith community of our city, of our county. God, you're the Lord that heals us. Would you heal us? Many of you know that the Hebrew phrase for this is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Jehovah Rapha. We know Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, but here more specifically, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. The chapter closes then with this verse, Exodus 15, 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were, count them, 12 springs and 70 palm trees. The shade that they now needed after three days of travel in the desert The water they now needed, there's not just one well, there's not just 10 wells, there's 12 wells. Remember, there were 12 tribes of Israel, one for every tribe. That's how detailed and specific God is with how he takes care of us, an unlimited supply of water. He's the miracle worker, Jehovah Rapha, and he's ready to give you the miracle you need, even if it's not the miracle you seek. Wow. What do you mean not the miracle I seek? Well, who would have thought that God would say, Moses, I have a miracle for you, and it's found in a log, in a log, (laughs) in a piece of wood. God used a tree to perform a miracle back in Exodus. And I don't think it's any coincidence that God set this up because 1,500 years later, Jehovah Rapha who loves you and who loves me and who loves our world, would once again take an old tree, another log, and allow his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die upon that log or upon that tree. His nails were pierced. His feet were pierced. As Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, Jehovah Rapha, we are healed by his wounds. And God is still healing us. Somebody sent me a really, really encouraging email, and at the end, they signed off this way, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. 
I read that, I thought about it, and I wrote back, God forbid. God forbid things get back to normal. Is that what we want? And normal in a lot of circles is lukewarm Christians. Normal in a lot of circles is people who aren't as concerned for their neighbors as they are right now. Normal would be some people not reading their Bible at all like they are now. Normal would be for some people, they would go back to not praying like they are right now. You know what? I pray that God would not return us back to normal, to just making a living rather than making a life normal. Who wants normalcy? When we could go back to understanding the fire of God and the heart of God and the love for people like never before, where we've used technology to reach out to people that have never, ever connected with us before, and thank you for being there. But I pray that God would not return us to normal, but that God would help us to become greater than we've ever been before, more connected than we've ever been before, more caring than we've ever been before, and more bold than we've ever been before. So what's our greatest need? Well, number one, our greatest need is to know Christ. And I know that there's some of you yet to give your life over to Jesus. And before I talk to the rest of you, I really want to key in on those of you who've yet to give your life to Christ. Romans 10 tells us that if we declare with our mouth and we believe with our heart that Jesus Christ died on the log, died on the tree for us, and that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. And then you can trust God with the outcome. Where I say, God, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to get over the line. I, I'm not going to be embarrassed to tell people about Jesus or to say your name. And I'm going to put my trust in you, whatever it holds. Wherever this pandemic leads us, whatever happens to the economy, I'm going to trust in you for the most important thing. And that's the peace of God today and the peace with God for all of my life. And before I close in a final prayer, I want to read together what we've been reading every week. And would you read it with your best 855 Pastor B is live voice, okay? Here we go. We are building our lives on the promises of God. Because his word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. We do not stand on the problems of life or the pain in life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. Let's say the last line again. We stand on the great and precious promises promises of God. And why? Because he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.